Good evening, ghouls and fiends, and welcome to episode 4 of the Ministry of Horror. Now, if you're watching this live, you'll notice that next to me, there is no one. The solo stream, solo show, uh, solo show this evening. Um, if you followed the socials, uh, you'll have seen that we were going to be doing a Texas Chainsaw Massacre uh, kind of retrospective review analysis uh, with Reanimator, awesome streamer from Canada. Um, due to scheduling, we were going to be recording the show uh, on Saturday to then kind of play during this show this evening. Uh, but due to uh, due to unforeseen circumstances, we've had to delay that. So that is still coming. We will still be recording that and playing that on the, on a Tuesday show. Hopefully next week, potentially you know the week after. We'll we'll have to see how things go, but. Uh, yeah, the show with Ra is coming soon. Um, so, so let's start off by talking a bit about uh, just generally the shows on the MOS network. Um, obviously, uh, we had Sunday's show, the Ministry of Slam, and uh, yesterday they did a special live interview stream with uh, a particular guy who is buff and has the stuff, and that is Buff Bagwell, Marcus Bagwell. Uh, check that out on uh, on the the streams. I think it's on the podcast stream, but it's definitely on uh, on the Twitch, YouTube, Facebook. A uh, really good, uh, really good interview they did with the guy, and uh, they took questions from uh, from the OS network that were live. So I was able to get some questions in, and uh, yeah, he's uh, he was a really cool guest. Uh, really good interview, and seemed very open and um, really good show. Well worth checking out. Um, <clears throat> also, speaking of uh, MOS network uh, tomorrow, Andy on the retro chat at uh, eight PM, I believe. Um, has the creator of uh, the cartoon series Mask on, and that's Mask is one of those shows that I remember fairly fondly from my childhood, but I haven't really ever had opportunity to revisit it. Um, and what I have found with uh, listening to Andy's shows over the last few weeks is it really gets you that urge to rewatch it or to watch it for a first time. Um, so definitely, definitely check that out. Okay, we've talked up about the MOS network. Let's go on to some news. So, uh, if anyone's seen recently, the Sci Fi Channel did a television series of Chucky. Chucky started off in the Child's Play films, so Child's Play 1 to 3, uh, then moved on to Bride of Chucky. Seed of Chucky, which I will probably just say now is an acquired taste. I did not like Seed of Chucky at all. Um, uh, I couldn't really signify what it was that I didn't like about it. I think it's because it always had some quite campy humour, but they really dialed up to 11, and I don't really remember much horror in that. It really wasn't much of a horror film. From memory, it could be one that I revisit some point and go, you know what, actually, actually it's not half bad. Um, so that is uh, the news coming on in regards to Chucky, is it has been confirmed to be getting a season two. The first season I did think was uh, was pretty darn good. It had some staples of the horror genre in it with uh, Devon Sawyer um, of Idle Hands and Final Destination fame. He played quite a key role in that. Um, also, it didn't ignore the more recent, I guess, kind of straight-to-DVD films like Curse of Chucky and... Uh, what was the other one called? Uh, Cult of Chucky. They're okay, um, but they star Brad Dourif's uh, daughter, and they do follow on that storyline along with other larger-scale storylines from the Chucky universe in uh, in season one. Uh, so season two has been announced. That is, uh, that's some awesome news. Uh, in other news, so 
they're, they're a big name in uh, in rock. Um, I've never really liked them. Um, uh, so uh, the Foo Fighters, Seed of Chucky, uh, Fran the Cannons just joined the chat. Seed of Chucky is the weakest film in the series. 100% agreed. 100% agreed. Uh, whilst Cult of Chucky and Curse of Chucky, which I think I've got those the wrong way around, um, aren't brilliant. They do have more of a focus on horror, uh, which is where the uh, where the series uh, started. Yeah, Seed of Chucky, not so much. Um, but definitely, if you haven't seen the series, I'd say give it a watch. Uh, it's it's pretty good. It's got some gnarly kills in it. It's got some great effects. Um, and it's yeah, it's awesome. But yeah, moving on. Studio Six Six Six, which is the Foo Fighters uh, horror film that uh, has recently been released. Um, I've heard mixed things on it. I think it's going to be one of those films that maybe when it's on streaming, I'll give it a watch. But as I kind of said, Foo Fighters, huge name in rock. I've never really liked them massively. I think their first couple of albums were good. And then it kind of, for me, became a bit cookie cutter, I suppose is the term. Um, but it's horror. So I'll probably give it a watch. And I think from memory, Dave Grohl, who seems to, well, he's obviously the star of it. He's, uh, he is the Foo Fighters, kind of, you know, the, the leader. Uh, he was pretty entertaining in Pick of the Destiny, so it's, it's maybe worth a watch. Uh, that's been released recently, and that's already made uh, 1.5 million at the box office, I think, in its opening weekend. Um, moving on to the latest entry in the Scream franchise, which I believe today, or if not yesterday, uh, has now hit streaming. I've not seen it. Um, I do love the Scream se mm. series. Series, uh, the first film is classic, and the second film was the first screen film I ever saw. It's also really good. I don't really remember the third one being great, and the fourth one I remember being decent. I rewatched it again recently, and I just, I don't know. I found that it kind of it meanders a bit. It's it's an improvement on the third, but it's not one of my favourites. But Scream Five, I am looking forward to. Uh, yeah, that has uh, that's neared eighty million in uh, eighty million dollars in box office revenue. So that's I guess as well in this current climate, that's a huge, uh, that's a huge hit. Uh, so that's really good news. Hey, Tez, got you on the background to do a little work. Thanks, Crimson Mel. Nice to, nice to have you on the on the stream again. Always, always a pleasure. Uh, going back to talking about Texas Chainsaw Massacre. So a little bit of news for my week, and I have to be very conscious that the uh, this microphone and my old microphone are very directional. So I have a habit of moving my head around, and that's probably going to dip the sound around. So I'm going to make a conscious effort to keep my mouth talking in this direction, but. Speaking about the Texas Chainsaw Massacre with the show coming up uh, soon with Reanimator, uh, I got a new little addition for my shelf. It's not on the shelf at the moment. My weak-ass lights are, uh, are slowly going in front of my Pennywise uh, Necker um, toy figurine, I suppose you could say. It. But re-watching some of these Texas Chainsaw Massacre films ahead of the uh, the show with uh, Reanimator, uh, I saw this on Amazon, and I just thought it was incredible. So for people listening on podcast... This is a, um, I think it's distributed by SD, um, SD distrib. I can't, I can't read that. Um, they've made this awesome, uh, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre Leatherface figurine. Um, I love the artwork. It's got the original poster on the front, and when you open it up, you've not only got Leatherface. God, I can't figure out how to move up the camera. Um, you've not only got Leatherface with uh, two different heads, uh, his weaponry, and of course the uh, chainsaw, but you've also got the background of the uh, the room, the kind of I suppose you want to call it the butcher's room uh, from the um, from the iconic scene, the first killer in the first film, the best film. 
But talking about um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, there was one of the films in the series, which I think for a lot of people, I never got around to watching. Or if they had done, they probably forgot it, and for good reason. And that is Texas Chainsaw Massacre The Next Generation. I'll go into more detail when I record the show with uh, with Raw. But it stars very early appearances by Matthew McConaughey and uh, Renee Zellweger. Yeah, pretty pretty big names they turned out to be. Um, and originally when the film was uh, was made, it was shelved for a bit. Uh, for, the, for the year, I think. Uh, Matthew McConaughey's career skyrocketed, as did Renee Zellweger's, I believe, with Jerry Maguire. So then that was then used to get the film given given it a proper release, using their names to kind of skyrocket it. My God, is it trash. <laughs> it's, uh, it, it's, oh, I'll t- we'll talk about it more in the, uh, in the uh, Texas Chainsaw show, but that is trash. Um, I had delivered today the Blu-ray for Texas Chainsaw 3D, and I hated it the first time I saw it. It's got Alexandra Daddario in it, and she's an awesome actress and easy on the eye, shall we say. But it just had some bits in it that I thought were absolutely terrible. But I thought that with Halloween 2, the Rob Zombie film, when I first saw it, I hated it. I rewatched it a few years later. It's, it, it's got some merit to it. It's not great by any means, but it's, it's unique. So I'm hoping I have that experience watching Texas uh, Chainsaw 3D again, and it's not as bad as it was the first time I saw it. So we're going to now look at some... Uh, Oh, really? It's airing on the Hollow Channel tonight. McConaughey was so over the top. Do you know what, Fran the Cannon? <laughs> it's actually really irritating because I spent, I think it was like four ninety nine on uh, on Amazon to rent it because I thought uh, all the purchases, I'd re- if it's crap, I really don't want it in my collection and uh, it seemed to be, oh, hi, Meryl. Um, it seemed to be the only way to watch it. But the fact is on the Horror Channel tonight <laughs> and I watch the Horror Channel quite regularly. Um, and I was literally, literally before coming on stream, I'd seen on uh, on Facebook it was saying there's a a new film or newish film being shown on the horror channel called The Young Cannibals, and I thought I'm gonna have to remember to set Sky to record that. Oh damn, Fran the Can! I really wish you hadn't told me that it's free to air on TV. I'm gonna really resent spending that five pounds even more than I already am. We're now gonna look at some reviews. I'm gonna start off with uh, a kind of a a bit of a book promo i guess and when i say book i'm I'm gonna kind of specify you know just because some people are a bit funny about that uh graphic novel i uh about two months ago i'd uh, i'd heard about a graphic novel series um on the kingcast which is uh kingcast is a fangoria podcast um i can't remember the guy's names the hosts but they they look at uh stephen king films adaptations of his books or his books with uh with celebrity guests and they'd mentioned about a graphic novel series called Something is Killing the Children. I picked up book one, or trade paperback, of uh, issues one to five, uh, but a couple of months ago, and I recently um, ordered book two and three. I've got book three here. I don't know where I've put book two. Um, I was going to put a graphic up on the on the stream, but I kind of it's kind of a late addition to the show. Um, <laughs> it's all right, Fran McCann, I will not hold it against you. <laughs> I literally just wish that I'd left it till this week to watch that god-awful film. But I will say, Zellweger shows early on that she you knows she's got some serious chops as an actress. Uh, and McConaughey, <coughs> excuse me, McConaughey is the highlight of the film because he is all in on that role. He, it's, it's such a shame that it didn't have a better script. And it, it's also crazy that it was written and directed by one of the original writers of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Kim Henkel, Henkel. 
and what they do with Leatherface in it is just ridiculous, and it's just the story makes no sense. It's just absolute nonsense. But McConaughey is he is good in it because he's so many. He's got a robotic knee. He's got a robotic knee, remote controlled as well. <laughs> you, you can't make this up. Um, but yeah, this book series or graphic novel series, something is killing the children. Um, this is uh, volume three. I've got in my hand here. Just to give you a kind of idea, it's kind of what the the title says. There's a uh, there are these creatures that appear in the world, but only seemingly children can see them. Uh, kind of like Pennywise uh, in It. Um, but they are vicious, and they are literally eating the children. Um, a woman, Erica, I believe her name is, uh, she arrives, and she's kind of a hunter of these creatures. Um, and a boy is accused at the start of uh, of killing his friends because him and his friends went to the woods in the dare. They all got massacred. Um, and this woman basically teams up with the lad reluctantly to find these monsters, hunt them down, and try and kill them. Uh, but the artwork is really, it's really unique. It's not like overtly detailed. It's kind of, I don't want to say avant-garde. I, I, I don't know the terminology to correctly kind of uh, go into uh, its style. But I mean, the cover... The cover gives you an idea of, of kind of how the the artwork is for for the book. The monsters—they're all basically kind of shadow images, but it's a lot of shadows, with a lot of blood and kind of gore. I definitely recommend uh, giving it a try if you're inclined to read uh, graphic novels, um, or if you like horror, which uh, if you're here, I imagine you do. So, let's have a look at some film reviews. Uh, I've got a couple that I was going to do a week or so back. Uh, but now seems like a good uh, a good time uh, as it's uh, as it's a solo show. We're going to start off with a Shudder double bill. Okay, um, I don't know which one to start with really. I think I think we'll start with the most recent one I watched, which was uh, about two days ago. So there you go. There is the poster for a film called Hellbender. Now, initially, I thought, what the hell's that title mean? <laughs> I've never heard the term, but apparently it's a fairly common term in uh, in regards to uh, to witchcraft. Yeah. Oh, I'll give you a kind of a general idea. You've got uh, the film opens with a uh, a hanging, a witch hanging in. It might well say what year it is at the start of the film. Really can't remember. But in a time gone by, um, the witch doesn't die. Uh, she she gets shot a number of times, and eventually, I think she combusts and flies up into the air still alive um we're in the current day and it's a uh, the film is centered around a mother and daughter combination there is especially in regards to witchcraft and the title hellbender comes from the uh witches who were accused of turning their back on god and heaven and bending down towards hell and i think that was quite cool i think that's quite a cool uh meaning behind the title uh, I'm going to do my reviews kind of in a pros and cons way, and this is generally my uh, opinion um, after watching the film. It's not a definitive, this is great, this is bad. Just, uh, you know, if, if the premise sounds like something you'd be interested in, give it a watch. Um, I, haven't, I haven't really talked about too much about the synopsis other than the very opening of the film. Okay, we'll go into a little bit of a synopsis than the pros and cons. This mother and daughter combo, they're very much quite isolated. They have a home out in the woods. I want to say maybe Virginia, I guess. Um, I, I'm not really very geographically sound, especially when it comes to uh, American landscapes, but it's very much woodland areas. 
hills, all, all that stuff. They have their own kind of garage band where there's a lot of these little musical kind of interludes of them playing like a the daughter plays the drums and sings, the mother plays bass and sings. So it's got that kind of lo-fi garage band sort of sound, which I don't know if it works against it because it's the sort of thing that is quite niche and it worked well in some instances in regards to other films. I don't think it works as well here, but we'll get to that in the cons. Um, the daughter is under the impression that she is sick. The mother is saying, you can't go to town with me. You need to stay at home. But it's very much a mystery as to what's going on there. Uh, she has a chance meeting with a, uh, a neighbor girl um, and they, they kind of kick up a friendship. But an incident occurs and the girl kind of has a bit of a dark moment and wonders what's wrong with her. And that's when the story starts to evolve and uh, discusses this uh, this witchcraft element of the overall story. So the pros. This looks excellent. The sh there's in it's shot so crisply. The landscapes, um, it's it's got some nice visual effects in it as well. There are certain scenes where you get glimpses of the horror of a witch uh, under the surface, and also some moments uh, of uh, VFX in the air when they, you know, certain powers are being used by the witches. Um, now, in regards to in regards to the cons of the film. As I mentioned, the little musical moments. There was a recent film a couple of years back called Uncle Peckerhead, and that is about a kind of garage band, garage rock band, who meet a roadie who wants to help them on their little their first ever little tour, very you know, very cheap tour. But he has a he's the eponymous Uncle Peckerhead, and he's he is either a demon or is possessed by a demon. I can't really remember who eats people and just tears people apart in, in the evenings um, if he hasn't had certain medication, or so it seems. So you, it's, a, it's a film with a lot of moments of bands playing, and it makes sense there. Here, I get what they were going for in terms of the relationship between the mother and the daughter and that they're so in sync with each other, but it kind of felt like dragging, dragging the, the, the pace of the film out, dragging the... Uh, the, the, the runtime out a bit didn't really seem to massively benefit the overall story um, and I think another con I'm going to have to say is the acting in, again this is my opinion I've, I've heard some good things about the acting in this this production is a family affair it's uh, written and directed by um, what's his name written down here uh, John Adams and his wife Zelda Adams Zelda Adams is the mother in the film um I think it was also written by their daughter Toby Poser, who is the daughter in the film. Uh, the friend that uh, that Toby's character makes is mm, I thought I had a name written down here, but I don't. She is also her sister in real life, so it's a real family affair. Basically, the core uh, actors are all they're all related, which is nice. But I don't watch films for the stuff behind the scenes. I couldn't really care less about that. So there's moments of decent acting from both of them, but really the acting goes between poor to passable, in my opinion. I don't think it's great. Um, it's got an interesting... It does have an interesting story, and the finale... Uh, the finale has its own pros and cons. I won't go into too much about it. Um, it's got a nice kind of setup, but it's just it kind of just seems a bit rushed. 
it's almost like the film wanted to have a slow burn approach, but lost didn't quite know how to get the difference between slow burn and dragging out. And uh, talking about sp- slow burn perfection is uh, one of the main films we're going to be discussing later on. So for Hellbenders, I'm going to give this a score of 5.5 out of 10. It's not bad, not terrible, not by any means. I think you know they've they've done really well with what I imagine may have been quite a small budget, um, but I just I just didn't think the acting was great, and I think that they kind of dragged things out, and I think it was kind of boring at times. So that is Hellbender. See it if you wish. Don't take my words as gospel. Next up is a uh, Shudder release I saw a couple of weeks back. Um, Shudder, Shudder can sometimes have some gems on there of uh, original material. Not all the time, though. Not all the time. No, no production or distribution company is perfect. Hell, I know about distribution companies. God damn. Um, that is the Shudder film Slapface. Now, I initially thought, what kind of flipping, I was going to swear then, what kind of flipping uh, title is Slapface? Hmm. <laughs> I still don't think it's a very good title for a film. Um, so Slapface is... Uh, it, ooh, just got some weird message. I'll ignore that. Someone's clearly pouting for business. So Slapface is the story of a young boy. Um, it is written and directed by Jeremiah Kipp. Um, and it stars August Maturo as Lucas. Uh, as a young boy... Him and his older brother, um, Tom, played by Mike Manning, um, have lost their mother, and I believe maybe their father as well, because basically there's absent absent parents. Um, And the way that they kind of deal with this grief is through this game of slap face, which is basically you slap each other in the face. We know how it's a game but it's quite an abusive coping mechanism used to deal with this grief. And the boy, um, August Maturo's Lucas, God, he... So one of the central themes of this film is bullying. The, the kind of uh, damaging impact that bullying has on those involved and those around them. So it does have a really strong message there, and it even has some information at the end about bullying and... Uh, I think it might have contact. I can't remember. It might have some contact information about uh, about reaching out about bullying. So its its message, I do think, is quite a strong one. Um, ooh, so <laughs> you've basically got his his he's being heavily bullied uh, by. There's there's these local twins who are just bitches. They're just they're just nasty, and this girl, which is kind of his secret girlfriend. But she goes along with the bullying because she's friends with these two girls. And it's that uh, it's that approach of, well, if I join in with the bullying, then they're not going to bully me. Even though the bullying is making her friend, her boyfriend, quite upset because they are fucking horrible to him. Uh, he hears of a legend of a, uh, a monster um, out in the woods, out in this kind of abandoned building. Uh, the monster that, if you're watching the live stream, you'll see in the poster artwork. Um, okay, okay. The the general thing is, is this thing his friend? He's made a friendship with this creepy... Straight, straight off the bat, I know you can't judge. 
things by appearance, but straight off the bat, you're like, mm, I don't know if I want to be your friend. But they strike up a friendship, but it's quite dangerous, as you can imagine. So, pros. Again, this is shot excellent. It looks, this, the, 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 the colours, the tone that they've got is, it looks impeccable. Um, uh, the, the acting is decent. The kid who has to shoulder pretty much almost every scene, he does a good job. He doesn't knock it out of the park. But he is also a kid that's basically running a, you know, leading an entire feature film. So you've got to cut him some slack. Um, and it raises the attention to the kind of the epidemic, as it is, of bullying and the impact that it has. Which then kind of leads to the cons. So I thought the finale was kind of crap. It was one of those uh, ambiguous finales that I believe is trying to hint at was this all really happening? Which may be a little bit of a spoiler, but I won't go into detail of what happens and how we get there. But I hate those. I would much prefer to have a fully, we've got full in on Supernatural or whatever it is. And, uh, you know, the the vagueness there, not a fan of. Um, we'll talk about vagueness in the next, uh, the next little review. Um, and also, there's just, there's some odd moments with the monster creature whatever you want to call it uh, who was played by uh lucas hassel i think he's just credited as the monster crimson mal yeah you want a definitive ending this does not really give you a definitive ending the next film doesn't give us a definitive ending but it does it much better which i'll get onto in a moment um there's some odd moments with the monster there's a bit when the, him and the the, the lead um i've forgotten his name um, Lucas and the monster are, are chumming around, and I think it's like a bit of a montage scene where they're trashing up a place, but dancing around, and it's like you can. It's difficult to have scenes of a monster laughing around like that, and then find it intimidating later on. It can work. You can have that where there's a bit of a flick of a switch, and a creature goes from being happy-go-lucky to and terrifying and this doesn't do it well there's also a bit of a weird there's a bath scene which i just thought what the hell are they trying to say here what's this what's the purpose of this scene because it's just it just i was watching it with a friend of mine and we were both just like okay 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 how long's this film got left so i think slapface is better than um than hellbenders um probably mainly because of the acting is a bit better and the general um story that they're telling in regards to the impact on bullying which you know i think that's got to be applauded anything that highlights you know kind of bullying and what assholes bullies are uh you know is is great but it's, the ending was crap there's some good moments in it but the, some of the things they do with the monster in the ending not so great. So this is a 6 out of 10. Slap face. Available on Shudder. I'm saying 6 out of 10. But that's just my opinion. Take it as you will. You may have seen the film. If you've seen the film, drop a comment in the uh, in the chat or, or uh, you know, on, on the YouTube, whatever. Let me know what you think. If you agree with my score, if you disagree with my score. I'm happy to, happy to discuss. Now, last film review. Another film I saw a couple of weeks back that I was going to review, and I did discuss uh, briefly on the show with Peter Goddard, looking at 70s horror, as uh, a film set in the 80s, 
and it's uh, set around the, I guess you want to call it an epidemic, I want to keep using that term, um, of uh, film censorship in the UK. Uh, that is Censor. This is a film that initially, when I'd gotten to the end of it, I wasn't sure if I liked or not. But then it had me asking questions. And questions in a good way, in terms of, okay, so so I think I know what they're trying to say with the finale, but how how much of that how much of that happened how, what actually happened to what's the what, yeah what, what was the con conclusion to the mystery good questions good questions to ask i think uh directed by prano bailey bond written by bailey bond and anthony fletcher it's a powerhouse performance from the lead uh niam alga as uh, enid baines and it's also got uh michael smiley who is excellent if you've ever seen kill list which is a brilliant british film uh, he is uh, kind of the co-star co of that, and also features Nicholas Burns. So a brief little talk about uh, the synopsis for the film. Uh, after viewing a strangely familiar video nasty, Enid, a film censor, sets out to solve the past mystery of her sister's disappearance, embarking on a quest that dissolves the line between fiction and reality. And I think that actually, that perfectly sums up what the plot of the film is. It has this tone um, in terms of the image quality that really does feel like you're watching something from 1980s UK. Um, it's talking about the hysteria of uh, the kind of the video nasty era where film censorship kind of went into overdrive. I mean, for, for many years, films like uh, Cannibal Holocaust, um, Zombie Flesh Eaters, the Evil Dead, The Exorcist, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, they were banned in the UK. They were not available to purchase on home home video or see in a proper chain cinema for decades. Um, and the uh, the lead, Enid Baines, she has to watch a, uh, a film that's been put up for reclassification. So it's been previously banned. They want to get a new uh, rating on it, like a 18 in the UK or rated R in America. And as she's watching it, it seems to uh, bring her back to a traumatic event of her youth, when at some point in the past, her sister went missing. Her parents believe that the, their daughter is, is dead. They basically want to just move on because so much time has passed. There's been no news. But there's little hints. There's little hints that something might have occurred to her. And uh, uh, Enid believes that one of the women in this film which is getting a sequel shot not a sequel sensor but in in film a sequel shot fairly soon she believes that that actress is her sister grown up so her kind of crusade to uh ban certain films um and to try and save her sister lead lead us down a trippy trippy path um i okay so prose as i mentioned it perfectly captures the tone of the era, the video nasties. It's got a tight screen time, which I guess if you wanted to look at as a con, I think they probably could have maybe, and I normally like a short film because I've got a short attention span, but I think they probably could have maybe um, given it another 10 minutes, 10, 15 minutes, because uh, it doesn't feel rushed, but I think you could have explored a few things a little bit more, maybe. Um, but other than that, there's not really any cons for it. I think um, if you like a slow burn 
Um, I guess it's not really an out and out horror. It's not really an out and out thriller. Um, it's a psychological horror, really, if you if you want to put that term on it. Uh, I would definitely say watch this. Give it a watch. Um, in regards to availability, it's currently you can watch it on Prime, um, but through a Mubi uh, channel subscription, M-U-B-I. I didn't pay for that. I just got the free trial, watched the film, and then cancelled. I've got enough, you know, WWE Network, Shudder, I've got Prime Netflix. I've got enough subscriptions. I don't want to pay for any more. Uh, but I don't, I don't steal my, you know, my uh, entertainment. So that's one way to watch it, or you can purchase it, rent it um, through other, you know, other services. But I give it an eight out of ten. I think if you like psychological horror, give Sensor a watch, one hundred percent. Crap! I just realised I've got <laughs> I've got links for trailers uh, to uh, to all of these films, um, and I'm going to just drop them one after another uh, into the chat now. So I mean, there's Hellbender. Um, here is slap face and here's the trailer for sensor uh so feel, feel free to give them a watch if they do look like your sort of thing i'm not saying any of these films are particularly bad just i think out of the three sensor is uh it's clearly it's got a bit more money behind it than the other two but it's been put to good use, and it's a nice story. It doesn't give you a definitive ending, uh, Crimson Man, as we were chatting about earlier. I normally find that irritating, and I initially kind of found this one irritating, but the questions it made me ask... And I, if, I, if I watch a film, and then later on that evening, I'm going on Wikipedia, I'm going on Google, searching for answers to that ending, or if there's anything kind of hidden that I missed, then it, it normally means that it's a film that is... Uh, is in my head, and I've enjoyed it. So, give that a watch if you will. Dusty Rhodes. Um, take off the score and the poster there. So now let's let's talk about what the show is titled. I'm iffy on ambiguous and up to the few endings. They have to be done really good. Okay, I you know I fully agree with that, Crimson Mail. I think. Hmm. I'd say this one is 90 minutes, I think maybe slightly less. And it's not a completely ambiguous ending. It's the kind of ending where, <laughs> and I'll be careful not to say any spoilers here, it's the kind of ending where if you're listening to what's going on, particularly a radio broadcast, it will give you an idea of what is really going on. And I'm being very... <laughs> I'm being very ambiguous right now, and I apologise for that, Crimson Mail. Um, but I do think that this does an ambiguous ending well, and I think it's not actually that ambiguous. <laughs> oh, the irony. I actually think it's not that ambiguous when you think about it. It doesn't give you the answers to what happened in regard to the mystery, but it's one of those great films where through the actions and through the character's motivations, you can probably answer that yourself. Um, which, again, I normally don't like, but I do think this was good. I do think this was good. So, the purpose for the main event, the main talking point of today's show, and I may do this fairly quick, because I am kind of tempted to do the uh, Netflix Escape the Undertaker New Day thing, 
we'll see how we're going for time. I mean, I'm I'm already 40 minutes in. I didn't even realize I'd be that far in. <laughs> I just like talking. Um, the the purpose for the show being focused on Ty West's film, which I thought was his debut. It's not actually his debut. I got that wrong. Um, his film, The House of the Devil, is that he is returning to horror with his next release um, from A24, who seem to be really, they really seem to be the kind of the go-to studio for, I guess you could call it art house horror, highbrow horror maybe. But he has a new film coming out called X, and I will put the trailer for this in the chat. Now, X, I'm excited to watch this. You've got a great cast. It really has that look and tone of something that was shot in the 70s. Like, really, like the uh, the, the location and the attires makes you kind of think almost Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Doesn't look like it's going to have that sort of, that sort of uh, tone, that grindhouse sort of tone. But it does look very authentic. And speaking about authentic, his film, The House of the Devil, which I should have some... Oh, where is it? There we go. A little, uh, little slideshow of images from the film. Um, when did this one come out? I've, I prepared some notes for today's show, but uh, it's a 2009 film, uh, written, directed, and edited by Ty West, uh, starring Jocelyn Donahue, who's been she's been in a number of projects. Um, probably the most kind of semi-regular would be Parks and Recreation as a reporter. Um, Mary Warrenov. An early appearance by Greta Gerwig, who's gone on to do uh, great things. I think she's become a director now. She's done some... Uh, is that the same Greta Gerwig? Where's that? Blah, 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 blah. Yeah, Ladybird, Little Women. Yeah, so she's she's really um, she's really uh, shot off in her career. Um, and it also features Tom Noonan. Now, talking about horror, Tom Noonan, um, he played... Oh, God damn, I've already forgotten this. I've forgotten, I've forgotten the character's name from one of my favourite uh, two sets of films, really. Um, the prequel novel to Silence of the Lambs was Red Dragon, and that was originally adapted in the 80s as um, Manhunter, and he played... I'm just going to call him Red Dragon because I can't remember the uh, the character's name in it, but he's excellent in that. Uh, it's also got A.J. Bowen and D. Wallace. So... General plot summary of this film, um, it concerns a young... Oh, I am reading this off Wikipedia. <laughs> the plot concerns a young college student who is hired as a babysitter at an isolated house and is soon caught up in bizarre and dangerous events as she fights for her life. This film, if you've not seen it, I can't even remember the circumstances I saw it. It may have just been a, it's on streaming services. Let's give it a watch. I love it. I think it's excellent. It has that authenticity where... I mean, as you can see up there, the the opening titles with the uh, the the we you'd call it, but the line at the bottom, um, where it feels like this was made in the late seventies, early eighties. It's got that um, uniqueness uh, to it. it, and it does slow burn really well. And I think this is really where he hit. You know, I'm not going to say his peak because I've not seen. Uh, a couple of his later films. I obviously have not seen his new film, X, which I mentioned is coming out uh, very soon, I believe. Francis Dolleride. Yes, the Tooth Fairy. Was that uh, that one of the terms that he was also coined by the uh, by the media? Oh, brilliant, brilliant story. 
I do I do quite like Red Dragon the film as well. I um you know, it got some slack, but I found it generally quite entertaining and I loved series 3 of Hannibal that uh, adapted the story. Like, it was so dark, so good. So 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 good. Um so the yeah, the House of the Devil, it uh, pays homage to horror films of the 70s and 80s. It recreates the style of films from that era. So for example, a lot of the a lot of the shots, there are moments where he'll do this kind of slow zoom in on characters. And that was something that after this period, um, not to go into like technical terminology too much, uh, dolly shots were used. But he took this back to that, uh, to shots and um, framing from that time to really give it some authenticity. He followed this up with a film called The Innkeepers, which I, I've only seen the once and I did enjoy it, but I thought it was dragged out. I thought he kind of really hit his... Uh, his hallmark in the house of the devil in terms of slow burn done correctly which is why i think hal bender kind of tried to do and it didn't just, it, it's tough it's it's a tough thing to achieve there's slow burn and there's boring and house of the devil i would just say if you put it on you think oh god this is a bit dull just pay attention just stick with it pay attention because it really does build that tension up as it's slowly revealing the story it's playing on uh, an era of um, of subgenre of horror that was really prevalent in the 80s, uh, not just in film but in the media, of satanic panic. I love satanic type of films, and they really, they really, there's not really that many that are done well, and there's not that many in general. Um, and this just, just, I just love this film so much. Um, Let's have a look. So this was the production companies, and this was uh, Constructo Vision, Ring the Jing Entertainment, Class I Picks. Now, those first two, I don't think we've really done much more. Class I Picks have done bits and bobs. Um, it was done on a budget of 900 grand, 900,000 uh, US dollars. Uh, only made 101 at the box office. Now, I don't think this got a UK release, and if it did, it was incredibly limited. As I said, didn't hear anything about this. Um, you know, I just kind of happened to catch it on uh, on a streaming thing once. And there's also Lee, Lena Dunham, who people will know as, uh, you know, from Game of Thrones, uh, Judge Dredd, the recent film. I think recent, it's like 10 years old now. Uh, she plays a 911 operator in this. Um, what more really can I say about this film? It's uh, It was shot on 16mm to give it a really retro stylistic look that matched the decade. They used particular um, makeup effects like feathered hair, as you can see on uh, on Greta Gerwig, um, 1980s Sony Walkmans, uh, particular songs of the era, and uh, the Volvo 240 sedan. So they really made it authentic to that period of time. And um, looking at the reception to the film at the time, it's, it's generally reviewed well, but when looking at... Um, uh, oh, self-proclaimed redneck film critic. I didn't know he called himself a self-proclaimed redneck film critic. Uh, Joe Bob Briggs praised the film as just a, just a superb, slow-burn, extremely well-crafted movie. If you have got Shudder, I highly recommend watching uh, Joe Bob Briggs's uh, Drive-In or his different specials for the series. It just gives you a really good insight into uh, into these films, the production, their reception at the time, and sometimes has guests on, uh, along with Darcy the Mail Girl. Um, and uh, I believe he has shown this film before on his uh, on his drive-in. So if you have Shudder, should be on there. And I think the film is available as well on Prime and and there as well. 
Um, but yeah, some of the negative press at the time has been in regards to the pacing of the film, um, that it just took a bit too long to arrive at its uh, at its destination. I mean, I disagree. I mean, it's a 90-minute film. Um, you know, a film like The Innkeepers, I think, was clocking closer to two hours, and it had a similar slow burn, but it that took so much longer to get to what was really the crux of the film. So I... Uh, I, th I think that this this really hits the right um, the right mark in regards to slow burn, but it seemed to do uh, it seemed to get a lot of nominations and uh, some um, some awards um, at uh, so Fangoria Chainsaw Award. It was nominated for best supporting actor for Tom Noonan. Uh, he is he is incredible in the film and the score from Jeff Grace. Scream Fest Horror Film Festival and 2009 it won for best actress for the lead uh, Jocelyn Donahue. Best musical score score as well won. And the Birmingham Sidewalk Moving Picture Festival, I'm guessing that's Birmingham, Alabama, uh, won Best Feature Film, uh, also some nominations at the Saturn Awards for Best DVD Release, uh, and Independent Spirit Awards, it was uh, nominated for the Producers Award for Larry Fessenden for I Sell the Dead, which I haven't seen, but I have heard of, and uh, House of the Devil. So really, I mean... I kind of thought I'd talk longer about The House of the Devil, but there isn't that much more to say, really. If you like a slow burn satanic horror, and calling it satanic does kind of give away some of the, the, the movements in the film. Uh, if you want to see an early early roles for Jocelyn Donahue and Greta Gerwig, if you are interested in watching the new film X, then definitely watch The House of the Devil, as this is kind of where it started. Um, and it's, I mean, it's got, uh, it, it also uses this, uh, and I guess in this era, people are a bit, bit smarter with the internet. They can just research things straight away. It did, uh, it did use a technique that was used by films of the seventies to try and sell films a little bit more than, than, uh, than they already would by saying, um, in the opening text credits, it claims that the film is based upon true events. It's not. Uh, it was a technique that was used in some films like The Amityville Horror and Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Now, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, as we will be talking about a lot more next week or the week after, did use the true events uh, tagline, and it was it was right to a degree in regards to the Ed Gein um, story, the Ed Gein uh, case where he killed, killed a couple of people, but he was mainly digging up bodies and cutting off the skin and stuff. But the facets of the Ed Gein personality were kind of played out across the uh, the different members of the Sawyer household. Uh, Amityville Horror, there was the the house on Amityville. I can't remember the correct uh, the correct uh, drive location. Um, oh, Carrie is cool. That's my sister. She says howdy. Um, sorry, I haven't had the chat open because I've been looking at Wikipedia. Uh, the only Ty West film I've seen is Cabin Fever Two and The Sacrament. Cabin Fever 2, I haven't seen. I've only actually ever seen out of the Cabin Fever series, uh, Fran the Cannon. I've only seen the first one. I believe Cabin Fever 2, Ty West has tried to have his name taken off of due to a lot of studio interference. Uh, let me know if it is worth a watch, but I haven't seen it. The Sacrament, I thought was... I didn't dislike it. I thought it was decent. I mean, it was quite clearly doing a, uh, a found footage take on like the Jim Jones... Uh, Jonestown sort of massacre type story, but with, you know, like a bit of a surprise near the end. But um, definitely, definitely watch The House of the Devil. Um, Blair Witch did that as well. Yeah, I mean, Blair Witch really capitalized, uh, capitalized on that with their marketing campaign. It was really, really quite ingenious 
Um, and again, if they tried to do that nowadays, it wouldn't quite work just because anyone could go, oh, based on true events, right, Google. All oh, right, it's film in production written by these people. Right, it's not real then. Um, so they really took advantage of that and did it such such, such a, a high standard. Um, I remember they even had some type of special on the Sci-Fi Channel. Uh, was that in regards to Blair Witch? Because I think I remember seeing on the DVD, I rented the DVD uh, from Blockbusters, and um, they had like a documentary where it was like visiting the town, so it really kind of added to that, that feel that this was something that was... Uh, you know, that uh, could actually have happened. Uh, Ocean Avenue in Amsterdam. Oh, I was going to say Ocean Ave Avenue, but then I thought, is that not a yellow card song? I don't really like a yellow card. Um, <laughs> um, that's the Amityville house. Yeah, Amityville. I'm going to try not to, I'm going to try not um, be too dismissive. Not of the Amityville house, but the Amityville film franchise, purely because one of the films on my film company's uh, release schedule is an Amityville film, which should be coming out in the next few months. Check vipcovolts.com uh, for all the latest information, or Vipco on Facebook, shameless plug on the MOS network. Um, but the Amityville film franchise, goddamn, who who knows how many films there are in that franchise? The, the first one is is great, based on true events. Um, and I think the the story behind what actually happened, or reportedly happened is far more interesting than any of the films have been able to convey although there was one i think called the dollhouse which is generally creepy someone gets like a ghost standing on their chest or something like a paralysis or a demon they actually have the pressing down on the chest they do that really well might be dollhouse might have been a second one i don't know um but yeah amateurville as a franchise jesus jesus louises that's really been that that's one of those film franchises that I kind of consider similar to The Howling. Your first one's good, and then, oh boy, oof, dragging that name through the mud. <laughs> I guess it doesn't really cost much to maybe get the rights to use the name because I've seen that there's films coming out. Not to badmouth the films because I haven't seen them. I'm basing it purely on the title, Amateurville Sasquatch. I think is is a film that's got the Amterville title in it and maybe Amterville Bigfoot's one of the two. Uh, God, just some dodgy ones. Um, Carrie is cool. I was listening to a podcast with a guy interviewing someone who was in prison with Ronnie Defio. Can't remember how it's spelled. Oh, that was the guy who I can't remember the full details. He killed his uh, he killed his parents, killed his family, and said the devil made him do it. But yeah, definitely, definitely give the uh, the House of the Devil by Ty West Watch. I highly recommend it. I will just say, as I mentioned earlier, it's a slow burn. Stick with it. Pay attention. It's only an hour and a half. It's not a slow burn. There's two hours that can just really border on boring. Only an hour and a half. Now, we're at the 55-minute mark. Um, and you know what? I think it was mentioned on Ministry of Slam a little while ago that we should do this. But I'm thinking, screw it. It's only half an hour. We're going to do a watch-along of... No, actually, no, we're not. We're not. We're not, because we'll build this up on a show, and I'll maybe try and get, uh, I'll maybe try and get the, uh, the Ministry of Slam guys involved. But uh, maybe on a future show, we will do a watch-along. I can't stream it, unfortunately, on this show, but it would have to be a sync-up and hit play now uh, of the Netflix uh, Escape the Undertaker <laughs> with The New Day. 
which I guess is kind of kind of horror hummer. Carrie's cool says, you know, I struggle with slow burns. Yeah, maybe <laughs> maybe the House of the Devil isn't for you, but it's satanic. It's great. It's so good, so good. But you just have to just know that it's a slow burn. Just know it's going to take a little while to get to you know the things going wrong. Um, well, that really kind of uh, wraps it up for this evening show. Oh, it's not my camera. That really wraps it up for this evening show. Um, so if all plans go to plan, <laughs> this uh, this Saturday I will be recording with Reanimate Her um, Raw. Uh, she is an awesome, uh, awesome streamer from Albany, Canada, I believe. Does a lot of gaming, uh, discussion, reviews, deep dives. Um, and she has agreed to come on the show. We're going to pre-record it due to uh, conflicts, uh, scheduling conflicts for streaming. Going to have a little interview with her, talk about her love of horror, her horror origin story. And we're also going to look at the Texas Chainsaw Massacre film franchise, which has got some brilliant films in it, and it has some not-so-brilliant films in it. But we're going to look at all of them, and we're going to see, you know, kind of the production history, uh, how it kind of falls as a general horror film and where it really fits in the franchise in terms of uh good to bad um other shows coming up so we will be at some point doing i'm not going to do it tonight side against it a uh, watch along of the uh, escape the undertaker the new day it's going to be interesting because it's a choose your own adventure type show and it's kind of as spooky it's not really it's kind of horror but it's more oh, spooky undertaker but it's entertaining i have i think i have watched it through once but there's a number of different ways that you can you can get through the story, <laughs> get through the action, whatever you want to call it. Um, and then in terms of future shows on the upcoming schedule, we're going to have a uh, another kind of watch along type show, but it's going to be with Retro Chat uh, Andy Evans. Now, Andy Evans has not seen the classic horror disturbing episode of the x-files called home from season four this has been mentioned a few times in the discord so just know that this is coming to the ministry of horror what we're going to do is we're going to talk a bit about where the x-files was at the time just as a show and uh, i swear i just saw f feet shadows under my office door which is kind of creepy because i'm the only one here um so send some good juju out on the airwaves uh um we're going to be looking at the x-files as a series where it was um and then the kind of the history of this particular episode why it's so iconic notorious why it was banned for a while on uh on network tv um but it's it and it really kind of has that tone of uh i guess texas chainsaw massacre that kind of you know wrong turn backwards you know deep south type feel i'm really sorry for that accent um, and then also, no again, no date set for this one yet, but it's on the schedule to come up. Good friend of mine, musician and actor uh, Dean Jovi. He is a huge ah, Crimson Mail wrong turn freaks me right out. Do you know what? The first wrong turn still holds up and it's still really good. And yet it creeped me out the first time I saw it. It had that um, just these crazy hardcore mutant inbreds i would just call them great kills great sense of uh stalk and slash i mean particularly there's the um the scene when they're kind of climbing through the trees 
Oh, God. Yeah, it's, it, Wrong Turn is excellent. And do you know what? I saw the second one quite a while ago, and I thought it was a decent slasher horror film. I haven't seen any of the other six or so, and I, I don't really know what I thought about the latest one. I think I like that they were trying to do something different. At the same point, at the same point, I kind of think, did you need to put the wrong turn title on it? I guess they kind of did because they did technically take a wrong turn. But it's so far removed, I guess, really from what the first film is. It's a tough one. When they do a remake, you kind of think, make your own version of it. Don't do not do like a, you know, Gus Van Sant, what's that director, I think? Um, Psycho remake, where it's shot for shots, pointless. But at the same point, I don't know, it has to hold some semblance or some DNA to the original. Um, anyway, we're completely sidetracked over wrong turn. But yeah, it's uh, uh, definitely, if you haven't seen the original Wrong Turn with Eliza Dushku, check it out. Brilliant, brilliant film. Um, I'm going to have my good friend Dean Jovi on. We are going to look at ranking. So it's going to be another tier list. Uh, you know, tier list is pretty fun. But we're going to be looking at both the Friday the 13th franchise and the Halloween franchise to find out who, you can look at it as who is the ultimate on-screen slow-walking killer, Jason Voorhees or Michael Myers, or which film, which franchise has had the better film. I know what I think. Don't know what Dean thinks, I know, but he's, uh, he's an uber fan, uber fan of the franchises. So that's going to be interesting. Um, and we're also, I'm planning on getting uh, getting uh, Necro Eric on the show um, from the MOS, uh, MOS Network Army to look at Peter Cushing's um, his top five Peter Cushing films. I've not really seen that much Peter Cushing. The furthest that my kind of hammer horror knowledge goes is uh, Dracula, really, with Christopher Lee, which I think Peter Cushing... I, don't, I think the films I've seen haven't had Peter Cushing in because there's been quite a lot of Dracula films. So it's going to be interesting for me to... Uh, to learn more about the uh, the films of Peter Cushing, um, and you know what, I'm going to throw it out there live, and he can uh, he can hit me up in the Discord if he so wishes. But Crimson Mel, we need to we need to have a chat, my friend. We need to have a chat and uh, look at a concept for an episode. If you'd be uh, interested in coming on one time, or a few times, whatever, whatever. Um, you know, the dark side of the slam. It'd be good to have a collaboration with the Ministry of Horror. Hit me up in the Discord. But anyway, next week we're looking at uh fingers crossed. Texas Chainsaw Massacre. The good, the bad, and the goddamn ugly of that franchise. Uh with the awesome reanimate her. So, thank you very much for watching this evening's show. And if you're listening to this on uh, on the podcast feeds, thank you again. Make sure to like subscribe follow the mos network follow the ministry of horror we're on uh, twitter ministry underscore horror you can find us on discord ministry dash of dash horror facebook page ministry of horror um i haven't done instagram yet but i might do because i've been posting things of the different the different bits and bobs that i've been buying and have been destroying my bank balance but anyway thank you again and i'll catch you next week